This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 1075 FM, giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. Unholstered. Welcome to another edition of Unholstered. We're glad you're here. Hopefully you're having a good weekend. My name is Kayla Blakesley, and I host this show every Saturday morning with my co-host, Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Welcome to the show Unholstered. This is the show, if you've never tuned in before, all about the local media, which is me, teaming up with our local Fort Wayne Police Department, which is obviously Sophia, to share and tell and talk about all of the stories that just don't really get told when it comes to backing our men and women in blue, when it just comes to law enforcement in general. I got to say, Sophia, we just came off a rather... Uh, contentious topic. It's been really interesting delving into the, the topic of uh, essentially constitutional carry uh, with you and some other members um, from the Fort Wayne Police Department. I would recommend if folks didn't catch it, they should go download the podcast. Like it is now. a must. It is a must. <laughs> and we've gotten a lot of questions and inquiries about it. And we probably aren't done with the topic. I'm sure we'll come back to it because it's important. And it's important that people understand all sides to this because it's not just a black and white issue. And it's particularly important come July 1st yes. that people understand yes. all sides yeah. to And this. no one's talking about it. Yeah. I believe we're the only people. Um, legislatures aren't talking about it. And, you know, nope. the government's not talking about it. So we want you to have the information. Knowledge is power. And we want to dispel, dispel the myths as well. Yeah. So we'll definitely uh, be touching upon that topic uh, throughout the next couple of months here on Unholstered. But for today, uh, we're touching on kind of, again, it's, it's kind of in the land of procedural justice. You, you just don't <laughs> well, know how... Uh, how um, it, it, you know what, it can be a little controversial, I will say it, this. It is. And Protective it's a topic, orders. Yes, it's a topic that's just, even for officers, it's kind of like, okay, I have to go back and reread the statute or I have mm -hmm. to see what's new because every July it seems like these things change and we really have to keep on top of this subject because it's very important. Well, who'd you bring in to talk about uh, protective this, orders? This morning I brought in uh, Magistrate Brian Cook. He's from the Allen County Superior Court. He handles, he's probably the, the leading man here that handles protective orders, but I figured we may as well go to the top and see what he Smart has woman. to say and bring on the expert um, in this area. So welcome. Thank you. If you don't mind, because I always say that Sophia's the pro, I'm the average Joe here. If you don't mind, I just kind of want to start with the basics of what is a protective order and how does one get issued? A protective order issued from my court is a civil protective order um, for domestic violence, sex offense, stalking, harassment, or what we call grooming. And that's an improper communication with a minor under 14 for, to groom a sexual relationship. Um, so one of those categories needs to be um, alleged. And basically anyone can walk in off the street or even online now and file a petition seeking an emergency ex parte protective order. It's then reviewed by myself or one of my two colleagues, the other magistrates in the civil division, and we make a determination if it, it complies with the statute or meets the statute's requirements, and then we can issue an ex parte protective order on the spot. That is then served upon the respondent, the person that's allegedly done this, this behavior, and then they have 30 days to request a hearing once they're served with that, or if they don't dispute it, they don't have to request a hearing and it's in place. And it makes, make, basically makes it so that they cannot have contact with that person anymore. I'll go on if you want and define all of those things for you because there is a statutory definition. We all grew up with certain definitions of those words, domestic violence, harassment, whatever it may be, but there's a specific statutory definition for each of those. Domestic violence is violence or threats of violence between people with a domestic relationship. 
So that's any relationship by blood or marriage, brothers, sisters, aunt, uncles, mm. cousins, any of those type of relationships, um, boyfriend, girlfriend, live-ins, that type, any type of intimate relationship um, is a domestic relationship. And if the respondent has committed or threatened to commit violence against the other party, then I can grant a protective order for domestic violence. Uh, sex offense is somewhat self-explanatory, mm -hmm. rape, criminal deviant conduct, child molesting, those type of things. Um, if an event like that has occurred, um, then we can grant a protective order. Um, then they can last for up to two years. The emergency one is in place and basically has that 30-day period for the defendant respondent in this case to dispute it. If they don't within that 30 days, then it stays permanent for two years. And two years is, is the time limit on that. After a final hearing, we can grant them for maybe an extended period of time, but usually it's two years. Um, harassment is a repeated course of intimidation and or harassment that's meant to put the petitioner in fear that does actually put the petitioner in fear and that fear must be reasonable. Hmm. So that may be the coworker, the friend, the neighbor, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to cause you violence, those type of things. And it takes at least two incidents because it's a repeated course of conduct. So a one-time event is not enough, even it's egregious. So we, we often get protective order petitions in. I bet that's frustrating for people. It is, because there, there might be a barroom fight. Someone yeah. really got hurt. They got beat up bad, but they didn't know this person before that fight, hadn't seen them before, haven't seen them after. They can pursue battery charges. They can get maybe get a no-contact order if charges are bought, brought by the prosecutor and stuff. So there's other avenues to go through. But the civil protective order is meant for um, people who are going to have a, a repeated um, course of dealings with each yeah. other, either domestic or family or work or neighbors or whatever. So we're trying to keep those people separated with this order so those things don't happen. So it's really in the best interest of someone yeah. to, to file a, a complaint, at least in the case of yes. harassment, to yes. get it on record, at least as happening at least one. It can sometimes. And, and harassment um, is, is the one that was thrown in. It already was under the stalking. And that was the stalking. So I just gave you harassment gotcha. okay. is when it's to put someone, it makes them um, unreasonably uncomfortable, and you have a reasonable person standard. What that really takes is a safety issue. So basically, we can't issue a leave me alone order. Someone has cussed at you. Someone doesn't like you. They tell you that. The neighbor says, keep your stuff out of my yard, but they use expletives <laughs> and scream at that you about happens. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't grant a protective order for that. But when they start to act or say things that would put a reasonable person in fear and cause you anxiety, then it comes to the level of harassment. And that's a recent addition to the statute that the legislature put in just a couple of years ago, mm. even though we already kind of had it, and we did have it, as harassment under stalking. Intimidation harassment was under stalking. They broke harassment out to its own because people have learned what line they can skate up to and not cross, in my opinion. Of course they And where they've done things, and sometimes it gets that level that you do need to grant that. And then, as I said, the, the grooming statute um, it's one of those ones we all know when we see it. And the best example I can give is when all of a sudden you find out that your 14-year-old daughter's been receiving mm -hmm. late-night text messages from the 35-year-old neighbor asking her what she's doing, how she's doing, what you're wearing, that type of stuff. And then we clearly know what that's about. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the grooming, and that, that is now permissible. And that was kind of a an area that had fall, fallen through the cracks that, that we all know what's going on, but you couldn't do anything about it. And now we can with the protective order. With all these things that you just named, the, the harassment, the stalking, the grooming, the the sex abuse, do you know, I guess, the number one reason why someone does file to re get a protective order? It, it still is the domestic yeah, violence. Okay. Um, and, and we do that. And I think that's the, the part, the, this statute, the most useful, it's useful as a tool to separate people who are in the same house. That that's really what we can do for people in a civil order someone's beating someone hurting someone in the household when we grant the protective order we remove the respondent from the household um so husband wife boyfriend girlfriend we they, they, she comes in he beat her up last night and last week and she files a protective order 
Um, we grant it, and then we order him removed from the household, and the police do that. Um, they go out when they serve him. They, they, they tell him to gather his belongings and get out, and then he's out. We automatically set that for hearing, obviously, because we've deprived him of a, a residential right, so that's automatically set for hearing. He doesn't have to request mm. it. And then we have a hearing to determine if, more likely than not, it did happen, and then we can make it a, a two-year order. How does okay? So how does this work? Let's say I go to Sophia for a, a stalking issue. Mm-hmm. Does she then okay? You got to file this with the county. Like how does that work? It, it, it does. And matter of fact, many of our referrals come from law enforcement. Okay. Many obviously the Fort Wayne City Police Department, the Gallon County Sheriff, State Police, and of course the New Haven or any of the other town marshals or or, or um, city police in the in the county. And they'll tell a person to go seek a protective order, and they come down and file the petition. Um, we do them every day from. 8.30 to 11.15, and then start back up again at 1 and go to 3.15 um, every day, and they can file that. And they can also file it uh, 24 hours a day online oh, to, to e-file wow. the protect for And you can just go to the Superior Court website to get that link and click on it, and then it's available online. So we're getting more and more e-filed protective orders. Are these, now. like, really common? For, I mean, are people coming in all the time? <laughs> They're coming in all the time, and we get them. We're, we have a database that we use. We have to confirm them. We, they have to be served Um, before we can actually make an arrest on those. So what that means is just because the court issues them, unless that person is actually in the court, it has not been served. So what will happen is that it will then go to the Allen County Sheriff's Department. They'll take that protective order and they'll do an in-person service. Just leaving it at someone's door does not qualify as service. Mm. You have to have a face-to-face service. So I think that's when people kind of get a little... um, upset that we're not making an arrest. I'm like, well, we can. We, but if they're there, and if the respondent's there and we are there, we will serve that order. And the next time something happens, then we can make affect that arrest. But um, there's just a lot of nuances with these things. And I don't think people really understand all of We get a lot of... Um, and I, wanted, I want to stress the importance of what the protective order does. It's supposed to protect. Um, so we, we get a lot as officers people who have protective orders and it bars you know the respondent from contacting the petitioner the person who enacted the protective order but sometimes then that petitioner starts contacting the person that that's not supposed to contact them back and you can still get in trouble for that as as the oh, no as the respondent the petitioner can't but if the respondent if, you, if the petitioner's calling you 50 times and on the 51st time you answer the phone call and you know you have a conversation with them you can get arrested for that you're in violation of that protective order they're not in violation for calling you and you can say whatever you want about that yeah. but that's this is the law that protective order is against you mm-hmm. not against them contacting you which i know seems unfair but it happens all the time and and basically, I tell people to, and a lot of people are in these situations, and I always tell them, just like the example I gave, domestics are very, emotional issues, issues of the heart are always difficult um, because a lot of people just cannot leave things. And so they'll continue to call, they'll continue to show up, and, you know, until the time you have to get this protective order. <clears throat> but I always tell people, I'm like, if this person's calling you, repeatedly calling you, and it's 40, 50, 60 times, and you pick up on the 90th call, what have you told that person? It takes 90 it calls takes 90 for calls, me to yep. call you before you're going to answer. So now I'm just going to bombard you with calls. Um, so we want people to understand the importance and significance of these of these documents and their the orders of protection. And we want people to understand their role in making these things work. Um, because they do have a role in making things work and calling when there's violations and not allowing backdoor meets to happen. And then you get mad and you call when it's con- it's convenient or things aren't working out in your in your way. So we 
It happens. Uh, you know, like I said, it's matters of the heart, yeah. so it's difficult. Do you find a lot of he said, she said situations with these two? A hundred percent. And I want to want to clarify one thing that uh, Captain Katina said. Um, the For the police to arrest and the prosecutor to prosecute, we must have personal service. And so it does have to be put in the respondent's hand. For our purposes in the civil division, it's a civil order, so it's just like suing someone civilly. You're bringing it. That's why you're the petitioner and respondent. I've brought this action. This is what I want to do. So copy service, as we call it, the sheriff can go out, and they do a very good job of getting personal service in these. Um, Lieutenant Halsey and her team do a very good job year in, year out. And back to your numbers as well, we do about 3,500 to 4,000 a year in Allen County. So in the 23 years I've been doing this, I've done over 80,000 protective orders. So yes, they are very prevalent. There are a lot of them out there, and we run through that. But so if we get copy service, they can't find this person. They just can't get to them. They post it on their door at their home, and they mail them a copy. And so they're on notice of it. But you're right. You can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt in a criminal court that they had it, because that's, of course, their defense is to say, I never knew of it. It blew off the door. The mail didn't come. So Lieutenant Halsey does do a good team. The city police do a fantastic job of following up, too, because many of them are served that way when they can't get to this person. When they do have a call and then they finally do identify them, they're like, by the way, you have a protective order and now you've been served. This might be a silly question. Are there teams that just solely go out and and serve these things? That's the Allen County Yes. I mean, that's a lot of protective orders. I had no idea. The the civil division serves all of of, uh, the court's orders. So whether it be a lawsuit for service or, or, you know, and and protective orders as well as part of that. So they do all the civil service for all these orders and and, and such. What a job. I bet there's a lot of curse words and slam doors and all kinds of things. and, And like Magistrate Cook said, we do help out a lot um, because they just can't simply get to everyone. There's just not enough of them. And we're we're more out in there and we can serve it right away because we can we have officers with printers in their car. We'll print out a copy of the order. We'll um, hand deliver a copy of the order. Most most oftentimes than not, they know they have this coming. It's just a matter of time before we catch up. And when we, when we order a removal, so if we had a domestic case and it was the living partners, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it may be, I think the city does most of those for us because as we issue them, when they leave the courtroom, they usually go home. And if that person's home, they stay outside at a safe place. They make the non-emergency call to the city mm-hmm. police. And when the squad car comes, they serve the other party, tell them they have a few minutes to gather their belongings and get out, and they put the petitioner back in. So the service for the removals in those domestic cases is probably primarily done by the city police inside the city limits and then the county outside the city limits. Well, on the topic of domestic cases, can a, can a child who's under the age of 18 attempt to file a protective order, let's say, against a parent if they live in an abusive home or a, a sibling? Or, they or am cannot. I treading in different waters? They cannot. And that's that's a very good question because I can define the civil protective order, um, as I defined all the statute, is for a narrow statute. It's for what I just said and only what I said. The family court statutes are much broader. Child okay. protective services, so a children in, in need of services, a child in need of services, all those things. Criminal actions, if one if a parent is beating on a child, obviously that's child abuse. That parent can be criminally charged and such. Um, but a child can be can file, if a child does file, they have to be filed by next friend, which is usually a parent um, or a guardian, that type of thing. And they come in, so the, the petition reads that way is, is you know, minor ex by next to friend their parent against so-and-so and that can be against another parent we often get that where mom or dad come down and file because the other parent is beating Jeez. or sexually abusing the child and so they do get a protect, a protect order against them um i do have occasionally i get about a dozen a year where a parent actually comes down to file protect order against their own child now what that usually is is you know 15 16 17 year old kid who is being abusive to the parent you cannot do that not in the state of indiana 
because you have to parent that child. It may take tough love. They may have to call the police, have that child arrested for battery to them, those type of things. Go through a long process there. Child Protective Services may get involved. But you can't basically cut off your own parental rights by getting a protective order against your own child when they are a minor. Makes sense. Are yes. there some states yeah. that you can do that? Um, I, I won't say that there are. I can just tell you Indiana <laughs> isn't. So that what it is is there's there's some states that, that do things that, that are a little more, I don't want to even say liberal, a little more if you want to say advanced, where they'll allow kids to do certain things because they want to step in quickly. Hmm, but most follow what Indiana is. And our orders do have reciprocity in all 50 states, as do we honor all other 49 states' orders. So if you, and especially with us in Northeast Indiana, with Northwest Ohio, we have many people that work here and come here. And so we have protective orders that straddle the state line that are enforceable in both places. Hmm, I didn't know that either. Yep. Okay, so what happens then if someone violates a protective order? What kind of consequences are they looking at? It is a Class A misdemeanor invasion of privacy to violate the order. So that's what it is. We issue it civilly. If you follow it, the person's left in peace and safety. You move on your, with your life as a respondent. If you are the respondent and you choose to violate it, then it's a, a misdemeanor. It can be a F6 felony if it's a domestic case where that, that happens again. And so the petitioner calls the police, and if they come out and make an arrest, and that person's charged with that, um, obviously can go to jail and then face a trial and, and, and serve jail time if, if for that violation. Yeah, I think it's also a felony if you've had a previous conviction for invasion yep. of privacy as yep. well. Yep. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the same person. Um, mm -hmm. It just shows a pattern yeah. uh, that you're not following court order, so yeah. it can be a felony as well. How long do these last? Do they vary by case? Well, like I said, the, the, I should say the, the time for an issuance, we usually do two years. That's That's the permit. We can go further if we make that there was egregious circumstances, you know, that it was a really bad case, we can go up to five years um, on these. We can really do more, but we usually cap it at five. But we can go as little as a month, you know, 60 mm. days, 90 days, sometimes getting people separated. They can get a paternity action filed so they can get custody visitation sorted out so then they know what rules to follow, you know, so we can go any, and we do do any time in between there. Sometimes we have a final hearing and I'll say it's 90 days, six months, a year, or I'll go two years. Um, so that's that. But the presumptive is the word I was looking for is two years when we grant them. Could you briefly explain, because I think a lot of people get confused and we're, we have you here, so mm -hmm. we may as well get it from the sources. The difference between a protective order and a no contact order. And a restraining order. Uh, that, that, yes. And an <laughs> injunction. Gonna, yes. Yeah, that was going to be um, one of my Very, too, very Sophia. good question, because we do tend to use those even in the system interchangeably. A protective order is generally a civil protective order. That's what I do. That's what we're discussing here today. So it's a civil order ordering the respondent to stay away from and leave the petitioner alone. A no contact order is issued from the criminal court. So that's usually when there's been domestic mm -hmm. violence, the battery charge has been filed, they go to court for that preliminary, and the judge orders the respondent to have no contact with the petitioner. And there's no exception to those in the no contact orders. I can make an exception to my civil protective order if the parties have minor children together. I can say that they can have reasonable, indirect communication about the child. So they can text each other, call each other, use family or friends as go-betweens for visitation exchanges because obviously they have minor children together. They're going to have to have some communication about those kids. But outside that, there should be no communication. A no-contact order usually does not make those exceptions in any way, hmm. shape, or form um, when they come out of there. And then an injunction or a restraining order is usually issued in family cases, and those are more about stay away from quit harassing your ex during the divorce, you know, and, and, and then they also are issued against property. Don't dump the bank accounts. Don't sell any real estate. But that's that not the same as stuff. a PO, then. It's not the same okay. as a PO. Um, so it's a different thing. And the restraining order is is not as enforceable 
under the criminal penalties as a civil penalty. So if in a, in a divorce, a restraining order is issued to leave your spouse alone, quit you know, blowing up their phone all day long or all that night or whatever, harassing them, if you violate that, it's a contempt action. So that party has to file a contempt in the divorce court. They both go before the, go before the judge or judicial officer, and then that person says, "What if you finds you in contempt, and then may issue something against you?" But it's not criminal. You're like an encyclopedia. I just feel like I can throw that <laughs> in there. You, you got it covered. But you can see how difficult this would be to traverse, yeah. along with everything else that we have to do. So just keeping on top. And like I said, every July. Okay, I was going to ask you that. What you meant by that? So every July, the laws come out. The new laws come out that the legislature has enacted. So that's. For instance, this July, constitutional carry will be enacted, mm-hmm. right? Because it's signed by the, just signed by the governor. And every year, all these things, a lot of times they change every year. So just like they added the grooming statute. And so we've got to keep up with those I kinds see. of things just to make sure that we're not, number one, violating someone's constitutional right, um, right, with a false arrest. And number two, just to make sure that we are adequately protecting those that need protected and our most vulnerable people. A lot of the times, uh, Sophia and I, on this show, we'll, we'll bust the the myths, we'll bust the stereotypes that people have about what, whatever topic it is that we're talking about. Obviously, today's protective orders. What do you feel like are some misconceptions that people have about these that just aren't true? What it is is, is like I said earlier, people seek a leave me alone order. Yeah. I don't like someone. They were mean to me. They were rude to me. And even if it's profane, which is not, it's nasty, but it's a nasty world. We can't do anything about that. No one has made a threat. No one's been violent. No one's going to be violent. So we can't just tell someone to leave someone alone through a protective order. There's got to be more there that there's a reasonable safety issue or an ongoing safety issue. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions on this. Um, and then, um, as, as uh, Sophia said, the big thing that I do see, and we see it several times a year, well, dozens of times a year, actually, with the 4,000 that we do, um, people think that when they don't want it anymore, that they can just have the contact again. And as she said, we have had plenty of times where the parties have gotten back together in their relationship. They're driving down the road six months later even. They get pulled over for speeding, and when they're identified, they realize there's a protective order. That person gets arrested. And the other party will beg, plead, sometimes cry to the officers, (laughs) no, we're back together, it's okay, but you didn't go down and dismiss the order because you can come down and dismiss the order in two minutes. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. You have to dismiss the order in the case of, hey, we're we're getting back together. Yep, because the the, the law is going to hold that respondent responsible they know they have an order against them. They know there's no contact whether the petitioner's reaching out or not. Do, do, you, do a lot of people dismiss them? Do you see that? Often. often. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, we'll get some of these, as she said, with the matters of the heart. They'll be down one day to get it, and then they have remorse, and they want to get back together, and they'll be down the next day to dismiss it. We've had it as fast as in the same day. They'll get a protective order in the morning and come down and dismiss it in the afternoon. Um, so that's, that's the, the tough part. But like I said, it's a civil action, and they have every right to do that. Um, doesn't help them, but they have a right to do it. Yeah, and this isn't like a officer discretion thing that I can use. Like a traffic ticket would be like I could do a verbal warning. I shall arrest you if you're in violation of this. If I don't, and something would happen, you go down the road, and now uh, she, she or he are beating each other now, and someone suffers major thing. I could be liable for that as a police officer because I didn't mm. stop it when I had the chance because there was that protective order in place. So there's just a lot of things that people don't understand, a lot, of pre- a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility on officers to actually follow through on things. Um, and you can tell me, like he said, oh, we're back together and the kids are in the car. It, it doesn't matter. If there is a protective order in place, I shall arrest you. I must arrest you. I think the thing that people should think about, and, and we, we are there all day, um, I of the 4,000 that are petitioned for, 
somewhere annually between 20 and 25 percent of those were denied at the initial phase because they just don't qualify for the statute. There's always something going on or the people wouldn't have been down there. Although some do use these to harass people. Those are few and far between, so I really don't want to go if down there. If I'm mad at my ex because he's got a bet. new lady in his life, you I bet. might yes. go try the and, PO. And, oh, that, and that does happen, and, and so we great. have to weed through it. And that's why there's always a chance for hearing, ask for a hearing, we have a hearing, and then we root through all that in the evidence and realize there's nothing here or it's not enough, and we deny it at that point in time. Um, a big thing that came in the statute, too, real quick, if they have this, is we do have a, a portion that it will now expunge protective orders. So when something happens, some people not re, may not know it. There may be a protective order out there against them. Someone didn't like them, went down and requested one. It was denied on its face, and that's it, and it's sitting there. It may come up later if you punch your name into the computer and see that. So you can get those expunged if they've been denied initially or denied a hearing then you qualify for an expungement of that so it doesn't sit there out there forever to show oh, that there was a protective order filed against you. It doesn't show one was issued because it wasn't, but there was one may have filed against you. And you get those where some people that, let's say, I, I'll use the word imbalance to be polite. Um, <laughs> the garbage doesn't get picked up, so I'm going to file a protective order against the mayor. We can't stop people at the door. They have a constitutional right to file an action. We can't tell, we, you know, at the you counter, know you can't, you file, can't it. file. But once it's filed, obviously we can say, no, that's denied. But then it's there. It's in existence because it was filed and it's in the computer. Yeah. So that's why the expungement statute came in, because it's like that should have never been brought. It was never valid. Smart. And so now you can get rid of that record. Are you able, this is this is really silly, but I'm just, just for fun <laughs> But you'll ask anyway. Yeah, I'm going to ask anyway, because this is fun. Are you able to share maybe the most outrageous nonsensical PO that was filed that you're like, no. Yes. What we've had, we do get the leaves in the yard. The neighbor, the neighbor's really? tree, the neighbor's trees, <laughs> leaves fall in my yard. As if y'all don't have better things to do with I your raked time. them up and throw them back into the neighbor's yard and then they threw them back over. And But usually there's some words ex, ex, exchanged there. Um, I've had some too where, like you said, people, and I'll use this one, she had some very nice memorabilia um, from the civil rights movement because her family was very involved in it. And then she gave it to a church. And when she no longer liked the church because someone said something to her, she filed a protective order against the church because they were mean to her and wouldn't give her the stuff back. And she never even really requested it. She also filed a civil suit and they brought it back to her and gave it back to her because they said, hey, this here it is. It's yours. You never just have yeah. that. But like I said, that's, that's special circumstances. But it is. It's stuff that this statute was not meant for that people come down and find it and they file it and then we have to deal with it at that point. I do feel like this was a lot of really good information. Like I said, going into it, I don't know much about protective orders. I've never filed one that I'm aware of. I don't think one's <laughs> ever been filed against me. Nope. Uh, good to know they can be expunged, right? Yes. Um, but I do think it's important, especially because of how many you do every year. Mm -hmm. There are obviously people who do need mm -hmm. them, who are seeking them for the right reasons right. that obviously get granted. Yes. So thanks for coming in and enlightening yep. us. Well, I think thanks. this is just general information that people need to have, yeah. um, and people need to be aware of just what options are out there for you if you find yourself in a predicament like any of the ones he explained. And as always, if you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, which Sophia and I always think it's information that you, you should have, you can download our podcast anywhere you can download a podcast, your town, your teams, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.